Welcome to The Bucket Problem, episode 37. I am your host, Ace Ambender. We are presented, as always, by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet, and we're a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Alex and Dan are joining me tonight to talk uh, talk a lot of hoops. Um, we have two NCAA tournaments to preview, uh, which, is, uh, which is nice. That does not always happen. Um, yeah, Michigan coming off a... Uh, a disappointing Big Ten tournament in uh, both Big Ten tournaments, but uh, um, particularly with the uh, men blowing a 17-point second-half lead against Indiana, that was uh, suboptimal, I would say, and uh, almost got them into the uh, playing games, which uh, we like to remind everybody is uh, not the NCAA tournament. We have been tremendously consistent on that. and I think they avoided it through the fortunate rule that you can't play anybody that you've already played in, in the regular season in the first four. So with two Big Ten teams there, um, bumped up to the 11 line. And it made Indiana fans really mad. So uh, yeah, good they stuff were, all around. They were super disappointed that their really awesome basketball team was seated too low. <laughs> a, a number of, uh, or well, I shouldn't say a number, at least one national analyst basically boiled down the season to three games to say that this was deeply, deeply unfair to the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, and, Indiana, and, a team with an absolutely wretched non-conference schedule and a losing record in the Big Ten, um, treated also, very unfairly. Yeah, but they beat Michigan more recently than Michigan beat Indiana at Indiana. Um, so, you know. Uh, yeah, it's important to remember that pretty much every national analyst um, – that is like mostly a college football guy. That's also a bad college football analyst, but uh, hops hops on board to the to the college basketball bandwagon for uh, like the back end of dis- not even February, like the front end of March and like into the tournament. Um, they literally did just start watching. So if they feel like someone got snubbed for like putting up a good fight in the ACC tournament, um, they, they they will tweet about it because uh, they literally have only watched um, you know the last couple of weeks of basketball. Unlike us, true sickos who who have watched watched the November games <laughs> against uh, you know like Texas A and M, Corpus Christi, and uh, <laughs> other yeah. such schools. It's kind of funny that you put it that way because that's how I feel about myself when it comes to every other conference except for the Big Ten, like parachuting in, in <laughs> during conference tournament weekend, I which I actually, <laughs> yeah, which I actually missed the conference tournament, so I'm flying in even blinder than usual. But uh, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I watched Texas play Baylor once back. Who knows when? That's that's enough to go off of, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, have, like, you expensive... cannot have like honest coverage of a you know the entire power conference spectrum, let alone the number of conferences that get thrown in when you include all 350, whatever teams and division one. So anybody pretending to know everything should just stop. <laughs> like, yeah, there, yeah. there are some Don't. like true college hoops diehards, but that's not me. Um, I have been trying to listen to them on various podcasts to, uh, the three man weave is excellent and in that vein. Yeah, definitely. Three man But it's really hard. Up. It's really hard to pull that you, you have to do it. You have to live and breathe basketball. Um and specifically college basketball. And most of these national analysts pull double duty in some form. Um and even if they do focus entirely on college basketball, I'm not saying there's no use for national college basketball analysts, but if they're like giving the nitty gritty on Rutgers and some stuff sounds off to you. That's probably because, because they've watched like 
30 minutes of Rutgers this season. Yeah, versus us who would tune in for a Rutgers Northwestern battle on a, <laughs> you know, random February Wednesday when the weather's awful and you're stuck inside. And that's why you got to stick with the sickos. Um, so we'll be able to provide a disgusting level of detail on a lot of these Big Ten teams and honestly little detail on many of the other teams, which is uh, that that that's called honest objective coverage, folks. Um, we're giving it to you. Um, let's uh, let's get into our big moods of the week. Uh, Alex, I'm, I'm happy to start with you, man. Yeah. So, you know, as March rolls around in the state of Michigan, the weather starts getting a little nicer, sun's out more, you hear the birds start chirping and um, March madness is just such a big part of that for me. And it always has been like, I love tuning in and watching, you know, hours and hours of basketball, um, really great games. Like I watched a couple of uh, <clears throat> small conference tournaments that I really enjoyed that kind of got me ready for March Madness. Like the SoCon final was like super good, super exciting. Um, and I think back to two years ago, which like as winter turns to spring, I think back to, you know, kind of the start of the pandemic, the cancellation of um, the 2020 national or uh, NCAA tournament. And, you know, even last year, <laughs> yeah, Fred Hoy- Fred Hoiberg, Rudy Gobert, Michigan getting pulled off the floor at the Big Ten tournament. Man. Um, yeah, it it does feel so long ago, but also so recently. Um, you know, last year Michigan had a great season, but it was a really weird season playing in empty arenas, games canceled, which, I mean, I guess games were canceled this year too, but uh, the tournament was played like entirely in the state of Indiana. There was a bubble, there were restricted audiences. There was um, a controversy about who won the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, VCU, like, I, suppose- I don't know. I don't remember that, but. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dan. I hate to break it. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't respect Illinois, so that doesn't bother no. me. Um, but. Yeah, I guess just to, all of that is to say, like, I am excited to have a real tournament back. Um, it should be interesting to see how it plays out. Like, I'm not coming in with super high expectations for Michigan, obviously. Like, when you're a double-digit seed, don't really have high expectations. And, you know, given how this year's gone. But hopefully they can string together a couple wins. And, you know, if not, I'll still enjoy watching the drama unfold. Like, last year was a really great, really exciting tournament at times. Um except for when Michigan lost in the Elite Eight to UCLA. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, just, yeah, forget about that part. But I think with having, like, the full crowds back, you know, the regional sites, uh, yeah, the, the vibes are right. And, like, we are transitioning into, I guess, speaking bigger picture here, into a new normal, like, COVID hasn't gone away. But uh, I think having a regular tournament back is a big step for me. Yeah, I mean, March Madness without fans in attendance just does not, feel right in any way whatsoever yeah and just thinking back to two years ago like it wasn't enough that everything was falling apart around us we didn't even have ncaa basketball to to distract us like we had to watch horse over zoom on espn like this is way better (laughs) i remember uh it's so funny i I had a couple things to say but um it's actually kind of uh surreal doing this podcast because when i was i think i've told you guys this before but when I was leaving the office for the last time, I still haven't been back to the office. Um, but uh, when I was leaving the office for, for the last time in March of 2020, the la- I, on the way out the door, I was listening to you two on uh, the MGO podcast feed. 
Um, and I, I knew Alex at the time a little bit, you know, I, I'm friends with Alex's brother in real life, but I did not know Ace at all. Um, and I didn't, this was before I had more than like, you know, 250 Twitter followers. So I wasn't in any like group chats with you guys or anything like that. So I was listening to your guys' podcast um, about the Big Ten tournament. I think I remember Alex projecting that Michigan and Michigan State would meet in the final. Um, I, I think that's like the last thing I remember, like walking out of the office uh, before, you know, things changed for <laughs> for good, basically. Um, so very surreal, surreal that I'm now recording a podcast with you guys. <laughs> uh, everything that's happened, you know, from from then until now is is kind of unbelievable for me. Um, but Alex, I, I totally agree. Uh, I'm like I'm going with some friends to, you know, watch games at the at uh, a bar on Thursday. And like that just feels so much better than last year when I was basically watching all of these games um, like on my couch uh, and, and having and drinking alone, more or less. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's 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 really good to just be back. And uh, yeah, no, it's 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 awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, just the, the timing of the onset of the pandemic just coincided with the you know peak of this sport. And I guess, you know, in the years to come, as we commemorate the anniversary of everything changing, um, at least we'll have college basketball there. And the most important time. thing to remember about, uh, about this time is that uh, Michigan would have won, as always. Yeah, Xavier Simpson would have led the team to a national championship. I don't like to hear Michigan State fans talking like, oh, you know, Cassius was a senior. This was our year. We had just made the Final Four the year before. It's like, nope. A healthy Look, I'm Michigan only seeing team. Hook shot highlight montage of <clears throat> one player out of the G League right now. And it's not Cassius. Yeah. Yeah. Xavier Simpson adding a pull up hook shot to his bag is <laughs> incredible shit. That's G League <laughs> basketball at its finest, folks. Um, uh, I was I was I was just thinking about uh one last like uh thinking about um when you know two years ago when COVID started it was very funny that there was a brief period uh before like I really knew anything about COVID or how serious this would be where I remember like you know we came home and we're like we got the the marching orders that it's like hey like you know we're gonna be work from home um you know indefinitely more or less and uh for like a couple of days I was like oh sick like i'm gonna get to watch the ncaa tournament like work from home the whole time like this is gonna rule because like back then i didn't work from home like pretty much full time (laughs) um but like and then uh, it immediately became clear to me that i'm like oh yeah no the ncaa tournament is not happening Um, so (laughs) but there was like a brief like 12 hours where i'm like oh this is sick like i'm gonna gonna watch basketball all day (laughs) right and yeah and in hindsight and yeah i haven't been back to the office either um, I have a new job that's fully remote and yeah, I don't know Same when here. I will ever be <laughs> back to an office. Um, but I remember sitting in the office as the Michigan Rutgers game was canceled and I'm like, yeah, this, well, it was nice to see them warm up in front of literally nobody. Uh, <laughs> but this, it's going to be the end of, of NCAA basketball for a while. And like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, in hindsight, we just, it was so uncertain what, you know, the virus would do to people, how it was spread. Like I understand why everything was canceled as a precaution and I've accepted that, but it kind of stinks, you know, looking back uh, through the history books and seeing a, an empty chapter there. Yeah, most definitely. We're talking about this in order to avoid talking about the Indiana game, I think, but uh, Dan, uh, what's your big vote of the week? Oh, I'll be quick. Um, you should buy, it should be a law 
uh, federally enforced that you should only be able to submit one bracket. You can do as many bracket like, you know, groups or pools as you want, but everyone should have to um, have one bracket only. You shouldn't get to do multiple brackets. Um, you have to have conviction. Uh, it's cowardly to have more than one bracket. Um, I think it speaks to, you know, the type of person you are if you can't if you can't settle on one bracket and 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 stick with your upset picks, you know, whatever 11, uh, 7, 10, 11, 6 upsets that you have, you got to be able to um, be able to stand by those and and not have like multiple like, oh, I had that in my other bracket. That's that's this is this is my my hobby horse. Um, and I I think that it should be a lot. And if you have multiple brackets, you should go to jail. And if you tweet about your multiple brackets, uh directly to the gulag yeah absolutely <laughs> i'm not gonna give um people much credit if they're like oh yeah i predicted that 13 seed upset in one of my four brackets it's like okay. right exactly yeah yeah i'm just i'm gonna do like literally how many iterations can you can there be of a bracket it's like in the billions i imagine but i'm one of these years i'm gonna do a billion brackets and say that i had every upset in, in each one of my <laughs> just set up a brackets. program have it fill them out and be like yeah <laughs> i filled out a perfect bracket I wonder if you could do that for, you know how like um, Warren Buffett used to do, like if you had a perfect bracket, you'd win like a billion dollars or whatever. Could you, but I don't think there was like a limit. Could you just do, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I assume they would, they would the, be the like, would you submitted yeah, several they, million yeah. brackets. <laughs> We're going to have to select so, this. <laughs> literally, I think it'd have to be like a trillion. Like it's, it's the, the, the iterations that you'd have to do is, is a lot. That much well, you, math breaks my brain. So yeah, I, you I could can't. trim out some possibilities, like all 14, uh, all four 16 seeds making it to the final four. That's right. not going to happen. Uh, Illinois getting out of the first weekend. That's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, that, was a good, that was good, Alex. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Stuff. Thank you. you I know, couldn't people, decide people between give you credit. I couldn't you decide between dry oh, sense sorry. of humor. Oh, no, God, God. Oh, I was just going to say, I couldn't decide between Illinois or Iowa. Like I'm down on the entire big 10 and we'll get to that later. <laughs> but here. Yeah. Not down in a good, good way. Um, all right. My, uh, my big mood is, uh, seven years, um, 1990, 1998, 2012, 2013, 2018, 2019, and 2021. Those are the only other years, both the men's and women's basketball programs have made the NCAA tournament. Uh, last year we got a dual suite 16. I'm not sure we're going to get that again, but this is still something to very much savor, um, getting a, uh, you know, relative, high watermarks in both men's and women's basketball is uh, something that's really never happened at Michigan uh, except for one year in the early nineties. So uh, this is, this is a pretty good time. Um, and uh, I, I hope people are not too down on the men being not quite as not quite what we expected them to be when we've also got the women's team, uh, nearly winning their first Big Ten championship and getting a top three seed and hosting NCAA tournament games, really reaching a point that um, I never imagined the program would be at because uh, I barely knew it existed when I was growing up because uh, there was just not a lot uh, of coverage and there wasn't a lot to cover. Uh, so this is, uh, this is a pretty cool time. And uh, I hope you're extending your weekend into Monday if Michigan wins their uh uh, first round game for the women on Saturday. All right, let's get let's get to this Indiana game. Uh, we don't have to do this for long, but uh, Michigan was up sixty to forty three, gave up a twenty eight to four run 
for the Hoosiers, missed 13 consecutive shots. Um, you could just feel everything kind of come apart at the seams in front of a crowd that was uh, leaning pretty heavily towards Indiana, what with it being in Indianapolis. Um, Hunter Dickinson looked very good or for the first, I don't know, 30 minutes, and then Michigan just kind of stopped giving him the ball. Um, yeah, this was uh, this was not fun. Uh, Alex, any thoughts? Um, yeah, not even a huge second half lead was enough to overcome the trend of winning one and losing one over and over. Uh, pretty impressive meltdown. Kind of reminded me of the UCF game in a way. Um, UCF in that game didn't miss any threes. In this game, Michigan didn't make any baskets um, as its defense kind of fell apart. I'm trying to memory hole it as, as well as I can. Like <clears throat> about two thirds of the way through the game, I'm thinking like, okay, Devonte is playing well again after a break breakout performance against Ohio state. Musa is looking pretty good. Um, and then, you know, by the end of the game, it's like, well, several players kind of fell off a cliff there. It's uh, kind of retroactively questioning some coaching decisions. Um, really impressive meltdown uh, and definitely not, I mean, that's just kind of who this Michigan team is, though, is just the inconsistency. Like, they were playing really well against a team that was playing for its tournament life at in a de facto home arena and just kind of running them out of the gym like they did in Bloomington. Um, something turned somewhere. Trace Jackson Davis read my mean DMs about him being an <laughs> underachiever and decided to put the team on his back. I didn't participate uh, in that at all. I deny everything. <laughs> no, I would never slander such a dominant big man. Um One other thing too, that kind of bears mentioning is Xavier Johnson battled foul trouble, but like he got going early, Michigan gave him a couple of open, if difficult looks, he knocked him down. uh, And then he sat as Michigan built most of its lead played, you know, the decisive stretch and kind of dragged Indiana back to life His plus minus in that game must've been ridiculous. Yeah. I'm not looking at that version of the box score, but he had 17 and yeah. yeah, that was that was where I was saying seven assists. He really made their offense go. Uh, Michigan, <laughs> the uh, we found out which trend uh, was more powerful: alternating wins or Caleb Houston making at least three three pointers. Turned out it was alternating wins and losses because Houston hit three threes early in the second half of this one, uh, right around the time when Michigan stretched out to their biggest lead. And Michigan lost, and now they're eight and one this year. When Caleb Houston makes three or more three pointers, so that was a bummer. I don't think that this kind of thing is going to happen again. I mean, Mark, I, it could against Tennessee because Tennessee is such an elite, elite defensive team. Um, but Michigan's offense really got bogged down to the point where it was like something like four points in over twenty consecutive possessions. Um, Indiana is a good defensive team, but they're not that good. And Michigan, you know, no. has a pretty good offense. I think, like you said, they didn't really get hunched the ball. There were a lot of unforced turnovers that led to runouts in the other direction. Um, even the like under four out of timeout play was designed to like set a screen on Hunter's man and post him up on the other other side of the floor. And Eli just kind of threw the ball out of bounds. It was that kind of night. Um, I think Michigan is a good offensive team. I don't think Michigan has a good defense. So, you know, assuming that the Wolverines don't cut down the nets in New Orleans and lose at some point along the line, I would (laughs) be inclined to think that it's because a team kind of lit them up. Uh, But we've seen, you know, various different kinds of losses this year. So who knows? 
Yeah, the offense getting bogged down has been a bit of a theme in those losses. So we'll see. But I, I do I mean, I certainly think we'll get to we'll get to Colorado State in a bit, but if Michigan's gonna lose to them, it might be um kind of both teams providing mismatches for the other on each end and it might get it might get high scoring. It might also be really ugly because I had just watched one of the ugliest halves of basketball I've seen in a while, um, in Colorado State, uh San Diego State from uh from February. So uh they played three times. It was the middle game. Don't watch it. Do not watch it. <laughs> it is interesting. I think um, people are comparing David Roddy to EJ Liddell, which I haven't watched DJ or uh, David Roddy, so I I have no idea. Um, but it does seem like this could go potentially like either Iowa game where in Iowa City against a really good Iowa team, Michigan – had a career performance from Musa Diabate, were able to kind of outpace the Hawkeyes a little bit. Keegan Murray scored over 20, but really had to work for it. Um, and then on the other side of the coin, the game against Iowa at home, nobody could check Murray, bled a lot of open threes. Like Colorado State is a team that is like Michigan, a very good, you know, pretty good offensive team and pretty bad defensive team. So I would expect that to be a track meet. Yeah, before we uh before we jump into Michigan's draw and Colorado State, let's just quickly go over the uh kind of questionable coaching stuff from the Indiana game because that's kind of I would say my biggest concern coming from it because Michigan I mean they're so inconsistent that you almost it, you just throw your hands up and go maybe they'll play well and maybe they'll play well twice in a row for once, I don't know. Um and so the I mean the run stunk. Uh, and missing 13 straight shots was not fun, but uh, I don't know if we're going to see a repeat of that in the tournament. And if we do, it's easy to predict what's going to happen to Michigan. Um, but uh, for Frankie Collins to only play seven minutes in this game, Kobe Bufkin gets zero. Um, coming off a game where he hit a massive shot against Mich- uh, against Ohio State, and uh, I, I, I've thought his defense has been much improved, so I, I didn't see reason for him to not play. Uh, but this was Juwan Howard's first game back on the bench after his five-game suspension, and it seemed like he had less of a handle on the rotation than than Phil Martelli did coming down the stretch. To me, the really inexcusable one is um, not really playing Terrence Williams very much after he had kind of a career game on the road against Ohio State. I think he scored 17 points against the Buckeyes, and he's you know a guy who, if he's not playing well, he's kind of invisible. But yeah, I mean, Michigan played their starters postseason minutes and they kind of ran out of gas there. So you wonder if a deeper rotation maybe would have helped. Um, I think there were some things like I, I remember, I can't remember offhand which game it was, but it might've been the Michigan state game where um, Martelli was coaching, but you can see on the sidelines, Howard Isley calling out the plays and directing the offense. Like, Hey, you go stand in this corner, you go set a screen here type thing. Um Michigan did a great job of throwing the ball to Hunter in that game. Um, Michigan did not do a good job of throwing the ball to Hunter against Indiana. And Indiana is a team that Michigan can theoretically like, yeah, against, against bigger centers, I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing that, but against, you know, more undersized front lines like Indiana or Colorado state, Michigan has a lot of offense that they can run to get the ball to Hunter and, you know, some of it, I, they called plays to get him the ball, wasn't executed well. So you can't really put that on coaching, I don't think. But, um, yeah, I think one other thing that bears mentioning with regards to coaching in that game, and 
this is something that I've kind of noticed with Juwan is that he is pretty reluctant to call timeouts to stop runs. I actually saw a quote from Mike Woodson, who was, you know, obviously another NBA coach before coming to college. And he mentioned that the other day that like that has been an adjustment because, you know, in the NBA, it's like Steph Curry hits two threes in a row, call timeout in college basketball, which recently went from five to four timeouts um, really only maybe get one of those per half. And I think, you know, as I saw that game slipping away, I'm like, okay, let's call a timeout. Let's set up some offense, like maybe throw a different look at them defensively out of the timeout. But um, Indiana just kept on scoring. Michigan just kept on throwing the ball off its leg. And yeah, that's how you blow a 17 point lead. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was not fun. Um, Let's move on from that one. Uh, Michigan's draw for the NCAA tournament. uh, We mentioned they, uh, barely avoided the plan possibly by uh, a technicality um and again the plan is not the NCAA tournament so we're glad that Michigan has made the NCAA tournament um they get Colorado State which is ranked right around where Michigan is in uh, a lot of the advanced metrics it it's a coin flip uh on Ken Palm it's right around there on Torvik uh Vegas actually has Michigan as a small favorite um, and that line has moved from, I think it opened at Michigan favored by one and is now at two and a half. Um, Tennessee would be on paper, the most difficult three seed should Michigan win their opening game and Tennessee not get shocked. Uh, but Tennessee is coached by Rick Barnes and it is March. So, uh, I don't know. That seems all right. <laughs> I'm not looking any further ahead than that in terms of where Michigan's draw is for the most part, because, any wins beyond one feels like gravy uh, for this team, but um, not the worst of draws. Uh, also not the best of draws, but I, that, I, I think they came out okay here. It's weird to have a down-the-middle opinion, but there it was. Yeah, I think it was like a tough region, but as an 11 seed, you're not super concerned that Arizona is the one seed because, yeah. frankly, it probably won't matter. Yeah, I mean, I think this is We've the best seen that possible. game. <laughs> like, as an 11 seed, getting a game that you're favored in is like the best possible. I mean, you know, that's just that's all you can really ask for, right? I mean, it's probably even more than you can ask for most times. So, yeah, yeah frankly, think... I'm just glad that they're not playing in Dayton right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I should mention. Uh, sorry to like be. With, I feel like we've had breaking news in each like each one of these podcasts recently. Um, nothing like for sure, but. Uh, there are message board-ish type rumors, and Ace, if you want to, you can cut this out, but that Devontae Jones did not make the trip because of injury in practice. <laughs> oh, it's <delightful>. So, <laughs> hate to, like, just completely we'll leave it in because segment, these things but, are out there. <clears throat> yeah, uh, and I mean, it's it's out there, and this is kind of, honestly, as weird as, as like, message board rumors, once things start picking up steam, tend to usually, like, smoke there's fire situation i mean this is the same thing with uh livers last year so um anyway so continue i guess <laughs> yeah um people who are listening to this uh may know already either because uh the news has come out um or uh michigan had, i mean it's the NCAA tournament there are open practices so um michigan's is tomorrow and uh i assume it'd be uh rather glaring if he's not out there um he did apparently delete his twitter yesterday which uh maybe that's a getting focus for the tournament thing or maybe that's a i don't want to talk to anybody ever again thing 
Um, I don't know. Uh, that would obviously be a massive loss for Michigan. And would also, uh, we, we would no longer have reason to complain about uh, the rotation of the backcourt because Michigan would be down to uh, having to use every little bit of, of Eli Brooks that they can. And then going between Collins and Bufkin for the rest of the backcourt minutes. Oh boy, that would be rough. Um, <laughs> yeah, not excited about the possibility of, uh, yeah, 25 minutes or more of Collins running the point guard in the NCAA tournament after not starting a game all year. But, and, and you would really feel for Devante too, like yeah. transferring up from a mid major, probably always dreamed of playing in the NCAA tournament, never did um, for Coastal. Super disappointing season in Ann Arbor, frankly, but. Yeah, to get the bid to the tournament, to be that close to playing in the biggest game of your life and to have it taken away by an injury would hypothetically be really awful. Um, should we just plan on discussing the Colorado State game like as if he were playing? Like how much credence? Because I do remember that we discussed um, the possibility of Caleb Williams going to Wisconsin at length on this podcast. So I'm <laughs> yeah, holding out that's, hope that's, that's that Devante fault. is okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, um, I'm not I guess let's, go let's based on that. <laughs> I, I would say let's just say up front that if Devontae Jones is out, um, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, like I think Michigan could still potentially win, but like we probably don't need to. That that would be bad. That's the analysis there. Um, that would be you know Michigan's that's Michigan's offense creator and their like second best player pretty much. So that would be very bad. Um, but now we'll I guess we'll go forward as like as if he is playing because it's very possible if he's just messed for rumors. Yes. Also, apparently his Twitter's back, so I don't know. This is all very weird. This is like (laughs) this is worse than like reading Chicken Scratch. Like it's just there is nothing there. There's there's nothing here. Yeah, just wait until I narrate the uh, beginning of the Indiana Wyoming game, which starts in like thirty minutes here. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, Okay, we're gonna try to keep this moving (laughs) because I want to watch the game. (laughs) Uh, Might have a little money on Wyoming. Um, Colorado State. 25 and five went 14 and four in the mountain West um, do have some common opponents with Michigan, uh, namely UNLV who they've taken care of this year and San Diego state uh, who Michigan handled pretty well, uh, less so for Colorado state. They got blown out by 30 at San Diego state um, squeaked by them by one point at home and then lost to them by five in the mountain West tournament. Um, also had, I would say kind of their most like statistically alarming efforts in those games in terms of how that team translates to playing against the team with Michigan's size and ability. Um, Worth noting that San Diego state is a team with a super great defense and a like really ugly offense. So um, I do think, you know, in terms of size and athleticism, Michigan is comparable, but the struggle for Colorado state is going to be, guarding Michigan versus say scoring on San Diego state. Also, by the way, when I said they handled UNLV, uh, um, scratch that I meant they lost twice by double digits. <laughs> yeah. I thought that you meant that Michigan handled UNLV. Yeah. So close. Not a very so good close. Team. Yeah. <laughs> Basically the, the same thing. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, so that's probably the most alarming result for Colorado state being able to hang with Michigan. Cause that was a team, uh, that Michigan dispatched, the. Uh, with relative ease. I remember watching that. Was, I remember that watching that back in November. That was the game that started at like, like 1 a.m. or something like oh that. Oh my God. I forgot. I was, I was like, that's when I still thought the team was good. So I'm like, oh no, I got to watch these games. And I remember like 
like, are they going to pull away from this bad UNLV team? Like, or am I going to really stay up until like 2 a.m. to watch this team lose? <laughs> they eventually did. Um, but that was back. I think in, that was the uh, night November before the Penn 19th. State game or something. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, so it's it's been a minute, but um, Colorado State led by uh, David Roddy, a 6'6", 260-pound-ish power forward slash center, um, mostly power forward, who's uh, top 10 in Ken Palm's Player of the Year rankings, uh, an extremely effective uh, like post and mid-range scorer, as well as a 45% three-point shooter with some with some range to his game. So uh, he's not great at the line, which is a little unusual for a guy who seems like he has the touch that Roddy has, but um, passes the ball relatively well, draws a lot of fouls, uh, rebounds the ball really well. and just provides an unusual matchup for what's probably going to mostly be Musa Diabate having to match up with him. Uh, but also we'll see maybe a little bit of Hunter Dickinson if Roddy's playing the five and there's just nobody else to put him on. And also maybe, uh, Brandon Johnson, Terrence Williams as well. And that's going to be a challenge because Roddy is a 20-point-per-game scorer effectively uh, and just is exceptionally versatile. Yeah, for those of you who are still holding Brandon Johns stock, um, could be an opportunity with a couple of good defensive possessions to, uh, to kind of change the inflection of that game. Um, the main takeaway that I'm getting as I'm consuming the vast amount of pre-tournament content from across the web is that Michigan can't guard Colorado state. Um, Colorado state can't guard Michigan from either team's perspective. You think it looks like a kind of an appealing matchup, but also some obvious weaknesses and yeah, Diabate is going to have to step up and play well. Like if he um, turns in the kind of performance like he did against Iowa at home on senior day, going to be a rough game. Yeah. Um, I've watched a couple uh, Colorado State, San Diego State games. Uh, I should probably watch them play another team, but limited in terms of full games you can find of them playing quality competition. Um, Isaiah Stevens, they're um, they have another they have a shorter guy in the starting lineup, but he is the point guard. Uh, he's excellent um, and can hit threes off the dribble. Uh, I saw him can a couple when. Uh, San Diego State went under screens, which Michigan has been doing a lot lately uh, in order to kind of help their guards out a little bit. Also, you know, they've been dropping the big man. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against Stevens. He's a solid three-point shooter who's going to pull up and and hit a fair share if uh, if Michigan does that. So how Michigan guards the Stevens-Roddy uh, pick-and-roll combination is going to be pretty interesting um there was a pretty significant production drop off after roddy and stevens so we'll see if michigan is able to help off of those guys a little bit um there are a few players out there who either aren't particularly good shooters or are relatively limited finishers and that could be an opportunity for michigan to bend their defense a little bit maybe bring some doubles down on roddy whose turnovers do tick up against better teams and uh, hopefully gain some sort of possession advantage because this is a Colorado State team that doesn't turn the ball over much, although that changes a bit against top 50 competition. Uh, And the other area where I can see Michigan kind of gaining an advantage, even if they aren't shooting well, is that Colorado State doesn't have a lot of size. Uh, 
I mean, Roddy does tend play next to a big man most of the time, but um, their big man aren't the best re- rebounders. So um, they've had trouble keeping, uh, they had a lot of trouble keeping San Diego State off the offensive boards. And I think Michigan with kind of with Diabate out there and Dickinson can uh, get a number of second chances. So that's, that's my reason for hope. My, my reason for despair is both the presence of Roddy and Stevens, who seem like the kind of uh, big man and point guard duo who can give Michigan a lot of trouble. And Colorado State is also pretty good at um, turning up the pressure on defense. They go deep into their bench. Uh, they run a pretty sharp run to one, two, two press that can uh, give uh, offices some trouble. And that has not gone away for them when they've played quality teams. So uh, for a Michigan team that's struggled with turnovers on a pretty regular basis, that especially if Devontae Jones is out, as we just learned might happen, uh, that would be particularly concerning. Yeah, one thing, um, this isn't a novel observation on my part, but uh, Colorado State kind of reminds me of a John Beeline team, like the stereotype where uh, good offense, kind of indifferent defense, really effective, like efficient shooting the ball, like high two-point percentage, uh, super low turnovers, never crashes the offensive glass and plays that kind of five out style with two guards that can handle the ball and initiate the offense. Um, It will be interesting to see how Michigan can guard that because like you said, been trying to play a lot of drop coverage lately uh, playing really kind of two centers a little bit on defense. Although Diabate has the ability to kind of chase people around a little bit. Um, It should be interesting. I think, you know, ultimately the computers and the betting lines have these two teams pretty close. I think it could go either way. Um, Michigan, one thing that I think bears mentioning is that Michigan will have a lot of open three-pointers. Um, I think Michigan can feed Hunter the ball against a team without much size kind of across the board, but especially inside. And Colorado State is going to have to double. And Hunter Dickinson They're aggressive just, pinching down yeah. in the post too. Yeah, Hunter Dickinson can see over that and find an open shooter. Like, you can kind of stunt to take away the main read from, like, where you think he's going to pass it, but he can take that extra split second, find Caleb Houston across the floor and throw really accurate, really good passes. Um, Michigan is a team that in, like, say, the Purdue game, for example, uh, that can get hot from three and – you know, I think if that happens, Michigan will probably win comfortably. Um, Michigan's also a team that can miss a lot of open threes. I, you know, everybody forgot about it in the aftermath, but um, Wisconsin on the road was an example of a game where like Michigan's playing a, a really good team on the road. They're right in it, but they just can't make any three pointers. So the three point luck, so to speak, is going to probably weigh pretty heavily on this one and for for caleb houston's point look i was about to say is it entirely accounted for by houston's home road splits because it feels like it yeah i mean and this is a game where like if terrence williams scores a bucket or two in the first half i hope he gets at least 20 minutes yes i agree um that'll be especially against a rather deep colorado state team that'll be able to keep fresh players out there um yeah I, i i don't want to see Michigan starters all in the 35 minute range. Uh, no. And like, I don't know if Diabate and Dickinson both out there at the same time as tenable. I think that will kind of be dictated by how Colorado state starts the game and whether they're knocking down open shots, but 
Um, Michigan's not a team that's built to defend a five out offense. So, you know, potentially getting minutes from Johns, who is a stretch big at the four, seeing if Terrence Williams maybe as a four can, can play. I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like this could just be a game where you live with the mismatch on one end and try to make it worth it on the other end and just try to outscore them kind of thing. Um, but that's my very limited exodus basketball uh, take. I'll stop um, there. It might be the strategy for both teams, to be honest. I mean, uh, like, it's like, it's like, what, what are we going to do if Hunter Dickinson's not on the floor? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he can't, he probably can't guard uh, Roddy, but like, you know what they, they can't, they simply cannot run offense without him out there. So. Yeah. And conversely, it's like, do Colorado, does Colorado state want to play their underwhelming big men at the five to try to, hold up against Dickinson or are they just going to say, you know what? Yeah. Our best shot is going David versus Goliath and, you know, flinging the swing. I don't think they'll do that because their, their centers can stretch the floor a little bit. So uh, I don't see any reason for them to take those guys off, especially since they're going to want to keep Roddy out of foul trouble. Gotcha. Having him one-on-one on Dickinson is not, not ideal for it. No, probably generously listed at six, six. Um, So, uh, yeah, uh, they have um, Deshaun Thomas, who's 6'8", 235, and hits 39% of his threes. Um, James Moores doesn't shoot threes, but I saw him have a really nice face-up drive against San Diego State at 6'10", 260. So, um, and then they have another a third semi-big, Adam Thistlewood, who has been a good shooter earlier in his career, but has been injured off and on all season. I don't even know if he'll play in this one, but if he does, he's kind of an interesting stretch option for them too. Um, So I I anticipate Colorado state will play um, a somewhat tradition. I mean, they don't have a true like center center, like Hunter Dickinson is, but um, they'll have some sort of big man out there uh, because they can still play five out that way. Yeah, and that just kind of is the profile of a mid-major team. Um, Colorado State's won 25 games this year. Michigan's won 17. So Colorado's, you know, obviously there's huge discrepancies in those schedules, but Colorado State, you know, they know who they are. They have a really set, solid identity. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see which style wins out. Yeah, I anticipate a close game. Um, and it seems like the advanced metrics and, and Vegas do as well. So as long as Michigan gets past this one, I think you can call it a successful tournament. And if they don't just please don't make it hideous. Don't get blown out. Uh, I don't think they will against this team. I think they got enough size to make it at least a good game, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll see about this Devonte Jones injury news. Um, we are as always brought to you by home field apparel. Uh, use the promo code point, pro, ugh, use the promo code bucket problem for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. Season three of Big News Saturday was hoops themed and it was very, very good. Uh, UCLA was the last release last week of season three. Uh, those colors plus uh, a Bruin uh, bear um, made for some top tier apparel. There is also some uh, mystery boxes available on home field uh, or at least. Um, Get them before they're gone. I hope they're not gone by the time you listen to this. Uh, and given that, I don't know if Homefield has made a bad shirt, except for uh, certain schools' collections that, well, well, we'll leave them unnamed right now because uh, we're trying not to be haters. 
that's a lie, but whatever. Um, yeah, uh, you can get a, a deeply discounted uh, random collection of shirts or a shirt or a hoodie and a shirt or a crew neck and a shirt. And odds are you're going to like what arrives in the mail. So use the promo code bucket problem at homefieldapparel.com. We are also brought to you by PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 matched in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the promo code BUCKETPROB. That is Bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly. Set limits. Avoid chasing losses. Never bet what you can't afford to lose. Take breaks when you need it and use the self-exclusion feature to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. If I'm a gambling man, and I may be at this point, I may have money on the Indiana game that is uh, over by the time you're listening to this, um, and not on Indiana. Um, I feel like I'm probably fading the Big Ten this year. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do a, a, a hopefully quick rundown of the Big Ten tournament teams and how far we expect them to go, um, despite, as we said earlier, our tremendous ignorance of every other basketball conference, but uh, you know we know the Big Ten very well, so we're here to provide our insight on uh, why it's bad, mostly. Um, Alex, yeah. you, you put this list together. How do you how do you want to start this? So I think we're just gonna like run down the bracket as if you're looking from the top left and going down the side of the page, and then the top right and going down the side of the page. So we're Perfect. not gonna start with the highest seeds. Um, we are gonna start with the Big Ten's favorite team, Rutgers, who is playing in the playing game. You're probably listening to this on Wednesday, so they're pro- probably playing tonight against Notre Dame, um, an old Big East matchup. And hmm. those two teams are playing for the right to face off against six seed Alabama, which might be the only team that's more chaotic than Rutgers, Alabama having beaten Gonzaga, but given uh, Tom Crean, his only win in conference play against Georgia. <laughs> that was a little fun fact I wanted to throw out there. Yeah, um, that is former Georgia coach. Yeah. Tom Green. Uh, great job by Peichel to get them into the tournament after the, what they lost from last year. Um, yeah, I saw today real. that Ron Harper was a, honor honorable mention all-american which you know pretty incredible for him but yeah i think i like Rutgers to beat notre dame but i don't know i don't see them making it to the sweet 16 with texas tech lurking as the three seed my my fear for Rutgers is that i don't think notre dame is very good and therefore i think Rutgers is going to struggle <laughs> yeah if Rutgers somehow matches up against gonzaga they're going to give them a great game but if they you know somehow face a 14 seed they're going to fall flat on their face if, if you gave Rutgers just a series of one seeds all the way to the final four they'd get there but they that it doesn't set up that way so i'm worried they're not even going to make it into the tournament because again playing games not the tournament once once uh when when they finally decide to have the entire NCAA tournament at the rack, it's over for you guys. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> Rutgers National Championship. Uh, book it. March Madness brought to you by Jersey Mike's, baby. Yeah, nobody walks into Jersey Mike's arena and uh, walks out with a win. Um, next game, uh, you know, in the kind of non-chronological order. Michigan State, seventh seed against Davidson and former Michigan State point guard Foster Lawyer with the opportunity to play Duke in Coach K's swan song. Um, I got to say the implications of Michigan State playing Foster Lawyer are hilarious in any direction that could go. Um, If he goes like two of 13 from the field, that's funny. If he 
leads Davidson to a win over Michigan state. That's even funnier. Um, Davidson kind of that profile is similar, a little bit similar to um, Colorado state where they're, you know, mid-major smaller team like to stretch the floor. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, it would be interesting to see Michigan state against Duke in the round of 32, but I'm kind of of the opinion that this Michigan state team on is mute. Yeah, extremely mid. So don't really have much faith in them. I feel like various guys have stepped up briefly over the course of the season, but they don't really truly have a go-to guy or like really any player that they can rely on on this stage. Um, I do think they beat Davidson and Foster Lawyer, but I think they lose to Duke. So I just want to say that um, this little like mini region they've set up with uh, Davidson, MSU, and then Duke. uh, I don't even know who Duke's playing. Um, it's like Cal State Fullerton or something like that. That is um, like. There we bang. I, I spent like a long time to do my brackets, so I, I, <laughs> I did remember. But there's basically nothing that could happen here that wouldn't be very funny to me personally. Um, so I appreciate uh, the, the the selection committee um, doing that. If Duke loses to Cal State Fullerton in in Coach K Swan song, uh, Swan song, that would be obviously incredible. Don't don't need to elaborate on that. That would be so so good. Um, if if Duke wins and MSU wins, um, then MSU will play Duke. And uh, what will happen is it's they're going to do like a whole thing about, you know, Izzo and Coach K. And it's going to be like, you know, all a very like um, they're going to try to make it very emotional. But what they're going to do is I think Izzo is like two and ten against Coach K. So it's just going to be like reliving a bunch of highlights of like how how hard Coach K has owned Izzo over the past um <laughs> like 20 years of their, of their respective careers. Um, the only way that I could really be disappointed would be if Michigan state beat Duke, which I don't really necessarily see happening. Um, but then, and then obviously if Davidson beats MSU with Foster lawyer, um, that's, you know, hilarious. We might do a special well. episode of the so, podcast. <laughs> yeah. So like there's really the, there's only one way that this could shake out that would make me upset. Um, although honestly, MSU beat it like dude, Coach K not making the Sweet Sixteen is is it is would be really song. funny. It would also be funny, and I, yeah. I would I would I would I think that that would like still be pretty good for uh, you know even though even though it mean uh, MSU making the Sweet Sixteen, I could live with that knowing that uh, Coach K is really mad. Yeah, this uh, team for him kind of reminds me. It's not quite as good, but it kind of reminds me of the Zion Williamson team that Michigan State knocked out in the Elite Eight, where really all of their best players are freshmen and like one sophomore. So we'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah. Moving on to the East region. Um, we actually don't probably shouldn't talk too much about Indiana because they are currently <laughs> about Flying to start. <laughs> yeah. That game is starting imminently as we are recording this podcast. Um, so there's a chance that they could already be eliminated by the time you listen to this. If or they do, chance they'll be eliminated against St. Mary's. Yeah. <laughs> if they do make it through, um, they are going to be playing St. Mary's across the country in Portland uh, as the five seed. And then, you know, the four versus 13 matchup is UCLA versus Akron. Uh, I don't think Indiana is very good, to be honest. I think the no. odds of them making the Sweet 16 are, are pretty long, especially with having to play that extra game against Wyoming. So, I don't know. Do you guys have any big feelings about the Hoosiers? Nope. <laughs> They're pretty mediocre. Uh, no. I, think, I mean, like people, I do, I do want to say like, look, we have a lot of Indiana friends. Um, I'm not trying to be too mean, but I do think like people really did blow up like 
that them going on a run is like this huge thing. I mean, they beat Michigan and Illinois. Um, teams that have done that, there are like plenty of teams that have beaten Michigan and Illinois this year that are not that good. And it was like, I don't know, it wasn't even that much of a run. And they've mostly been a pretty mid team all year. And I could easily see them losing to Wyoming, um, which would mean they missed the NCAA tournament to reiterate because the playing games don't count. Rutgers yeah. beat Michigan, Illinois, and Indiana at Assembly Hall. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Yeah, um, moving on to the next game. So this is uh, Indiana's rival. Purdue is in the same region, so there could be a potential Elite Eight game in some in one universe. There, Indiana will face <laughs> Purdue. Um, but the Boilermakers are the three seed. They are playing against Yale in the first round. The six eleven game in their bracket is Texas versus Virginia Tech. Texas, um, kind of a weird mix of transfers under Chris Beard in his first year. They have been kind of mediocre on a little bit underachieving this year, Virginia tech. They went on a run in the ACC tournament and actually won the ACC tournament to make it into the field. They have a powerful offense. They can stretch the floor quite a bit. So that would be an interesting contrast in styles in the round of 32 potentially for Purdue. But as one of the big tens, pretty good teams, uh, you would, think that the Boilermakers have a chance to make it further. Um, that looking defense at the, scares me, though. Yeah, their defense is just bad. And, and I personally... Kentucky in that region, like, I, I just, yeah. I don't see him getting farther than that. That's, I mean, I shouldn't say that. They, they, they have the ability, I just don't think that defense holds up. So I think you could make that... a case for Purdue against Kentucky. Oscar Sheboy has not seen big men like Zach Eady and Travion Williams. And I think Jaden Ivey could be the best player on the floor in that game. Um, also a chance of facing Murray State or San Francisco in that game. But yeah, I mean, Purdue, when they're playing well, is one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, I mean, the problem with Purdue all year as the chief Purdue where I watch her on this <laughs> podcast is that um, Zach Eady is an absolute force on offense and on, on the offensive boards, but he's just not, I mean, he's simply too big to move good, well on defense. So even though I think they hustle pretty hard on defense and they have some pretty good athletes on the perimeter, um, they, they just don't have, like when he's in there, he's not good he's terrible as as a defender and when and trevion williams is too short to be a real rim protector so that's sort of the crux of their um of their uh you know def- defensive issues um and then you know Jaden ivy's really really good he's got a chance to be um you know top like two or three pick depending on where you look in the nba draft um but he's kind of his own offense and like like he he really likes to just get the ball at ISO and like go to the the rack, which he's really good at. But he doesn't necessarily work in the context of like the rest of their offense, which has you know a lot of good shooters. But I mean that doesn't you know it's a very very good offense. So like I'm not you know knocking him there, but it's like not quite things haven't quite come together the, the way I think a lot of Purdue fans um, you know were hoping before the season. But I still think that they can make a run because there's going to be so few teams that are. A lot of teams are just going to get shell shocked by by Zach Eady. Like Big Ten teams are used to dealing with him, you know, by now. But especially depending on like what kind of referees we might get in the tournament, like you could really see a lot of teams just not even be able to, you know, pass that bar of like having someone that can slow down Zach Eady. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech doesn't have anybody that can slow down Zach Eady. I think you're looking at like a six seven stretch big trying to keep him from dunking all over them. Um, Jaden Ivey is good enough to drag a team to the final four on his own, in my opinion. Um, 
I do think Purdue's defensive woes kind of go past the big men a little bit where you have like Eric Hunter is not a great defender. Sasha Stefanovic, not really a great defender. Um, Caleb first, so on down the line. Uh, but Purdue has built out score teams and I don't, I don't know that Kentucky can really um, stretch them out a lot, but Kentucky definitely is more athletic across the board. So I don't think that they're going to make it past the sweet 16, but um, there's a chance for sure. Uh, moving on to the next team, we have Illinois as the four seed in the South facing Chattanooga, who I watched uh, punch their ticket to the tournament. Um, they have former Kansas big man, Silvio DeSouza, who I feel like has been in college for forever. Um, potentially facing Houston. Uh, Houston has had a couple of key injuries, but is they were both. so lucky to draw Houston as a yeah. five. I am upset. <laughs> yeah, beloved by the computers, Houston is. Um, and then they potentially are looking at a game against Arizona, which would be a true matchup of the Titans between Kofi Coburn and Christian Coloco, Umar Balo for Arizona. Um, I don't know. I don't think Illinois is a Final Four team. I think nope. their guard play is like pretty suspect at times. Um, uh, not trying to be too mean to poor Andre Corbello. Um <laughs> But oh yeah, yes we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we are gonna. Um, we he's, are definitely he's not good. No, he's, he's not, not good. He's not Andre, helping the team win basketball games. And that's like really Andre Kerb Smello because yeah. he stinks. Ooh, he um, stinks. I, he just does everything at full volume too. Which like, if you're the third guard on a team, like you should be stinky at low volume versus high volume <laughs> but it's also why people who just like watch 15 minutes of illinois will go oh man that dude is awesome because he'll make like one completely absurd sports center level assist and then you don't notice the like two times he throws the ball out of bounds yeah illinois does have some good guards in Trent frazier and Al- alfonso Plummer. um but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't really believe in them. I know I said in a podcast on February that I think that they are the team in the Big Ten that could go the furthest. But as you look at the bracket, um, you know, if they perform according to seed expectation, they'll make the Sweet 16 and they'll face off against Arizona. Um, I don't like the odds for them in that game, although Arizona does have a key injury with Kerr Krista, who may not be available. Looking on the other side of the bracket, you have – Villanova. Just real, I just want to make one point about Illinois real quick. Um, they did kind of get a, a crappy draw because they are going to be facing down Houston in a potential round of 32 game, who is, I think, the Ken Palm's most underseeded team. They're they're a five seed, and I think they're like the, the fifth best team on Ken Palm. So um, another kind of not, not a great draw as far as Illinois goes. No, and Houston is a, like a really tough team that can really defend well. Um and has enough, I guess, shot making on offense to make it work. Uh, I do kind of wonder, um, you know, with them being a little underhanded uh, or shorthanded rather, uh, yeah. what it's going to look like. But yeah, between Houston as the five seed in their region, Arizona, who I think is a pretty legitimate title contender, um, Tennessee is the three seed, even uh, potentially matching up with them for a chance to go to the final four. Um, there definitely are some underseeded teams in the South. Um, moving on to the next team in the bracket, uh, Michigan, I think we've got that covered. Yeah. Um, the inexorable win one, lose one, uh, trend, I think will probably continue there. 
uh, Ohio State is the seven, so Michigan could theoretically play them in the Sweet 16 if the you know chips fall in the right places. They're going to be playing Loyola in the first round. I think a lot of people are picking Loyola, even though Ohio State has by far the two most talented players in that game in EJ or uh, Liddell and Malachi Branham. Um, the two seed in their bracket is Villanova, who I don't think is quite as good as Villanova has been. Um, you know, they're kind of one of the elite teams in college basketball over the last five, 10 years, but I think they are a little suspect. Um, Ohio state has been kind of in free fall lately. People are asking questions about Chris Holtman. I, I would assume most people are probably going to be yeah, picking Loyola. So I don't know. How do you guys feel about the Buckeyes? I'm reversing. I, I'm fading the public. <laughs> Uh, I think I, I think what you said about Ohio State having their two best players is probably going to carry them in that game, but I, I don't see them getting past Villanova necessarily. Yeah, I'm just doing – I feel like I'm doing the uh, – I'm being a contrarian here, and um, I know a lot of people are going to pick Loyola, um, but this is not a vintage Loyola team. I think this – I think Michigan State beat this Loyola team pretty handily earlier in the season. Um, so um, I, have Ohio, I think I have Ohio State winning one game – and getting bounced in the round of 32 um, by, by Villanova. Yeah, and before we move on from Ohio State, real quickly, I wanted to thank Jason Kirk for filling out a NCAA tournament bracket by which football team would win. And he had Michigan, unfortunately, losing in the national championship to Alabama, but he had Michigan defeating Ohio State in the Sweet 16. As we all know, Michigan is a better football program than Ohio mm-hmm. State. And if, you know, hypothetically, they were to play football – uh, in a in a week or so, I think the Wolverines would win. Um, yeah, look, we we talked a lot about how it's important not to get wrapped up in recency bias. Um, that only goes for basketball. It uh, only the most goes important with sitting, thing, and it's inconvenient for you. Yes, <laughs> the, the the most important thing about football is to understand that the the last year is the only one that matters. Yep, and on that note, um, last year Iowa was a two seed that got kind of bombed out of the round of thirty two. They are currently a five seed in the Midwest, uh, fresh off their Big Ten tournament championship, playing the Richmond Spiders in round one and bracketed with four seed Providence that's considered to be like the most overachieving team in college basketball. Yeah, that's like, okay, the computers think that they are more like a nine seed, but because they have, you know, managed to win a bunch of close games, they're a four seed. Um, Former Indiana Hoosier Al Durham is a really key player for Providence, kind of a big shot maker down the stretch for them. A lot of people are picking Iowa to make to the Sweet 16. Some people are uh, picking Iowa to defeat Kansas, which I think would be a really – great matchup if that were to happen in the sweet 16 um, and go on a run even further. I'm pretty skeptical of Iowa just based on their history. Like Fran has <laughs> never made it entire Fran yeah. Stafford tenure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fran has never made it to the second weekend as a coach. Um, I, their defense is not good. Uh, they'll try playing multiple defenses and they won't work. Like I, I was listening to a, a podcast right before we recorded and, and on, on, Analyst who shall not be named mentioned that Iowa likes to throw out different defensive looks as if that were a positive. Um, <laughs> I, Iowa's defense is bad, but they do have possibly the best player in the country in Keegan Murray. Um, he will be the best player on the floor uh, up until the Sweet 16, in which you know they would potentially play Ochai Abaji, 
who is another first team all American uh, on the wing. I, I feel pretty good about Iowa making it that far, but I don't know that I can pick them to go to like the final four. Yeah. They have an exceptional offense and that, I mean, I could see them just catching fire and, and knocking off Kansas that way after getting through Providence. But it's just, uh, I don't know. I was always had a hard time stringing together wins in the postseason because their defense has been bad. And this is an Iowa team that doesn't look too different from other Iowa teams, except that at least this time their best player uh, is a legit NBA prospect instead of somebody who would never work in the NBA. So, uh, hey, Luca Garza is making money right now. That's all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, he's uh, getting buckets for the Pistons or something. I don't know. I don't have well, belly sports. Pistons um, are tanking. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I he's not a viable NBA player. Um, yeah, Iowa when they're playing well, they are really hard to beat. Um, Michigan was one of the only teams to knock them off kind of late in the season, and you know, one of the more reliable. Uh, advanced statistics when you're filling out your brackets to look at how a team has done over the last month or over the last 10 games. And Iowa is a top three team when you do that. So if you think they're going to stay hot, um, you know, it's maybe not as easy as the big 10 tournament in which they defeated Northwestern and Indiana on route to the championship. Um, But then again, Richmond and Providence, that's, that's not too tough as far as the NCAA tournament goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I actually have a, I tend to like try to go against, um, you know, hot team coming out of the conference tournament, like send them to the final four type thing. I actually have Iowa in the elite eight um, <clears throat> only because I don't love their, I mean, I don't know really who else I, I like in their bracket. I mean, they got kind of the, I feel like they got one of the easier uh, regions. I mean, you've got, I think Kansas is one of the weaker one seeds. They're obviously very good, but like, I don't think they're the best one seed. And then Providence is a four Wisconsin is a three. I mean, that's literally the two most overrated teams per a lot of metrics. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Auburn is the two, which I like, I actually have Auburn going to the final four. So I have Iowa losing Auburn in the, in the elite eight, but I feel like it's a very tractable, uh, tractable region for, for Iowa. Yeah. And a lot of people have been saying that about Kansas as they're, like predicting you know previewing the tournament from a national perspective they're like well kansas has the easiest region of any one seed um auburn is very talented but they haven't been putting their best basketball lately uh so yeah who knows we'll see with iowa um you mentioned wisconsin is the three seed in that region that is the last team we have yet to discuss colgate (laughs) colgate um hilarious red raiders baby patriot league champions uh the my my father's alma mater i know i actually know a lot about colgate (laughs) yeah i was gonna say hilarious mid-major from like rural new york right yes very rural new york (laughs) hamilton is um is uh cold as rain and rain it's very beautiful but cold and rainy as shit and uh like a hundred people in the entire town but it's actually a very 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 pretty campus and a very good school um sorry my, my dad listens to this podcast so hey i won't speak ill of colgate um the we'll red speak raiders Ill of wisconsin though <laughs> yeah, yeah we we are all huge colgate fans here like my um i actually have not been on the podcast since Jawan howard slapped joe krabenhoff <laughs> um so i gotta say my uh hate for wisconsin has been refilled to perhaps record oh, high amounts yeah like the the Bo Ryan 
era had kind of worn off a little bit, but we definitely lit a spark under that, I guess, quote unquote rivalry. So I would love to see Colgate knock off Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin like kind of limping into the tournament, um, almost literally considering that Johnny Davis is playing injured. Uh, Wisconsin, like you mentioned, overachievers. Um, I don't think that roster is very good beyond Davis. So as you look at, you know, their bracket, they have Colgate in the first round, assuming they get past Colgate, they're facing LSU who just had to fire their coach for rampant cheating and Iowa state who was really good in December and kind of like coasted into the tournament, but they are not, they're, they're not very good. Um, It'll be interesting to see if Wisconsin is able to make the sweet 16. If Davis is not playing at his best, I think if he is playing, you know, as if he were fully healthy and playing some of his best basketball, I think they will make the sweet 16. Um, On the other side of that, uh, they have, like you mentioned, Dan Auburn, who has some really talented big men in Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, former Michigan recruit. And potentially USC or Miami, which are, you know, that would be a really funny football matchup, but yeah, I don't think Wisconsin is going to go very far. I'm going to be a hater. Uh, They stink. Their system stinks. It's rely on one guy and he's unfortunately injured. So we'll see. Yeah. um, Yeah. They're coming up a team against a team with a superior white boy magic. um, And uh, Colgate's going to win. um, So where, where do they fall in the, the white boy matrix? <laughs> oh, man. I would say Colgate, unfortunately, not very crazy-ass white boys. Um, they're Colgate, very neutral white boys, um, but they're they're low-key goaded. Yeah, I would say the Patriot League is pretty quirked up as a whole. Yeah, it's <laughs> the Patriot League's quirked up for sure. <laughs> uh, I think uh, that is where we will end the podcast. I don't know what else we could do uh, to top that. Um I did say at the top of the show we were going to talk women's. Uh, we have been going for over an hour, uh, and the women don't play until Saturday. I will do a solo show before the end of the week to give that its due instead of trying to run through it in five minutes um, because that's not fair to anybody. Um, and we got a little bit of time to to flesh out a better preview for, uh, for the women and uh, dig into that whole side of the bracket because um, I've been able to watch some Colorado State haven't watched any of the American Eagles, uh, Michigan's first round opponent in uh, the the women's side. So uh, I'll also be keeping an eye on uh, uh, BYU and Villanova over on the women's side for the potential second round matchup. Both those are in Ann Arbor. That should be fun. Um, that is all for this week. Uh, follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter. Go to www.thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter and the bonus podcast rate review and subscribe to this here free podcast. Use the promo code bucket problem at homefieldapparel.com and use the promo code bucket prop on points bet. Thank you for listening and have a great week.